Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at Acast. Welcome, and it's a podcast with a difference today. It's a jam-packed podcast. It's a podcast with music in it as well. That's a voice you might recognise. In the jam-packed podcast today, we talked to Gary Johnson, who talks us through the retained list and the departure of Jamie Reid. A little later on, we talked to the man who's played the most games of all for Torquay United. Kevin Hill joins us as our A to Z of playing more reaches the letter H. And as I might have mentioned before, there's music too. You recognise this voice? can hear that song in its entirety a little bit later on in the podcast but first of all Richard chats to uh, to Gary Johnson about the retained list and what it means for uh, Torquay going forward. Um, obviously uh, there's disappointment about Jamie Reid and Calvin Kalala but you did emphasise in the interview you did with the Talking United website that there's a lot to look forward to as well isn't there? Yeah, absolutely and uh, you know every every year I'm in management it's more or less the same that you know you, you you don't keep all of the people all of the time for whatever reason and uh, sometimes they you know they take advice from representatives and agents and uh, decide that they feel that their next move is away from uh, the club they're at so yeah, it's always disappointing um, but because you do as a manager you know you and a, and a staff we you put a lot of time into developing people and improving them and I think we you know we took Calvin from nowhere really um, you know and, and, and we could see the, uh, the the actual ability that he had there was just a few things we still had to work on to bring him you know to his full potential and then really you know had a couple of uh, uh, you know poor not poor seasons but a couple of non-scoring seasons before I came and then uh, you know you, you, you set up the um, the scenario of uh, creating goals for a striker, and we knew he had the ability to finish him. We had to get him in the right areas and more often, because uh, technically he's he, he's very good. Um, and then you know just when it looks to be going okay, and you you then lose him. So you know, but that but that happens, and we've always had that over the years and myself Pete my brother and Downsy my assistant um, you know we've got enough contacts out there that we'll always find another another goal scorer and I have done that right through my uh, career thank God it's, it's the nature of the game isn't it you know you improve a player and then other people are interested well exactly that's that's what happens and you know they've had they've had uh, you know no say in their development they, you know especially if a uh, like, for instance, you know, agents often... 
So interesting chat with uh, with Gary there. Um, retained list, as we said last week, the retained list was, certainly did throw up a couple of interesting things, didn't it? Not least being, of course, the departure of Jamie Reid and Calvin Kalala. He was very interesting on that subject, I thought. Yeah, I mean, he was disappointed. Let's let's that's obvious, but um, also realistic. Yeah. Um, he he made a couple of good points. One being that throughout his career. He has taken players that haven't necessarily been performing to the best of their abilities, got them to a different level, and then lost them because other teams have come in for them. Now, as far as we know, no other team yet has officially made an approach to Jamie, although I'm sure he's been talking to many, many people um, involved in different clubs. Um, It'll be interesting to see, like Gary said, where he goes. I did get a phone call from... Uh, a newspaper upcountry, and when I say upcountry, that could be anywhere, really, couldn't it? Uh, a newspaper um, wondering what Jamie Reed was like and asking a bit about him uh, because uh, they'd heard a rumor. Um, I won't say w- w- what paper that was because it's not fair, really, because they're, they're not they're not announcing anything in the paper. They're just they were just doing background yeah. research. So th- there are obviously links, and we shall see where he ends up. I mean. It- the thing, there's a good point actually, because before Gary Johnson arrived, Reedy was obviously a player with enormous potential, but he'd get played out on the wing. Um, he'd go through spells where it looked like nothing was going to go for him at all, and you could see his head go down. And Gary somehow sort of produced produced a greater player out of him, didn't he? He did. Um, the goals started coming really when Gary turned up, didn't they? And, yeah. and score 31 goals or whatever it was in a in a promotion season, a title-winning season, be that in the National League North, uh, South rather than the National League Premier Division, as it may, that's still a considerable amount of goals to score in one season. Yeah. And at times, he was unplayable, wasn't he, in, in, in some of those games? He was. Um, he, 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 added... he hadn't played on the wing. And uh, mm. Kevin Nicholson, Paul Cox, I think, probably played him on the wing. Um you used to watch him and be frustrated, but frustrated for him, well as by him. Yeah. Um, because uh, it wasn't it wasn't his best position. As soon as Gary put him up front, I mean, Gary obviously saw a goal scorer in there and decided to, that that was how it was going to work. As soon as Gary put him up front, and interestingly, in, in the chat that I had with Gary, he, he said something about um, creating chances. Getting the player, getting the other players to create chances for, for for Jamie. So it wasn't just about improving Jamie's game; it was about improving the way that the the team used Jamie. Yeah, I remember Gary saying that he he'd said to Jamie he didn't want him getting involved in moves anymore. He wanted him on the end of moves. Um, yeah, and, but he added such a lot to his game. His first touch at one time was not the best, but it became absolutely superb in the last season, season and a half. If you watch that goal that he got against Aldershot um, back in August, which I'll never tire of watching, uh, the way he receives that ball, moves it on, takes it past the defender, it, it's just a magnificent touch. I mean, he's he's become so much better as a player under Gary Johnson. Well, if, if Gary Johnson's given him that touch, then, then he's created the player because we can all remember how wayward some of the balls fell after after he, he trapped them or whatever um, or not failed to trap them or you know a touch a good touch 
is so important for a striker because it sets you up for the, the shot, doesn't it? Yeah. Or sets you up to beat the player or sets you up to, to, to move the ball on. And, you know, um, without a good touch, you're going to lose half your chances. Yeah. So his touch in the last last year, I mean, you know, your perfect example is that goal. It's an extraordinary touch. <laughs> he lay, sort of lays it on for himself, really, and then just runs on and, and slashes it. It was a wonderful goal. It is. I'm going to watch it again in a minute, I think. Just as soon as we finish this podcast, <laughs> I'm just going to watch it again, just, just because I can. It's one of those occasions, though, isn't it? It's like when Luke Young left. I mean, you, the fans, you'll be gutted. I mean, we joked last week, didn't we, about doing the podcast, starting with sombre music and broadcasting through a veil of tears. But you, you've got... Players have got to move on, haven't they? When Luke Young moved, there wasn't a single person at Playmore that begrudged him the move and didn't wish him all the best. And I think it's going to be the same with Jamie, don't you? Yeah, wouldn't you like to see Luke, Luke Young back? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you never know, do you, I know? Mean, you know? I spoke to... I spoke to um, oh, it's, it's actually Kevin Hill, who we, we, we may hear from later on, of course. Um one of his points was about maybe players wanting to be closer to home. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? Good point, especially in these days. And it's precarious as well, isn't it? Leaving a club at the moment. That's another point that Gary made. That, um, and In fact, I think you said last week, the players are faced with a contract. You know, here you go. We, in these times of uncertainty, you can sign a contract or you can take a chance that you're going to get a contract somewhere else. Now, I don't think it's going to be an issue for Reedy, but I'm sure players all over the country are giving that a lot of thought at the moment. Let's not forget the um, involvement of agents in these these situations. Both Reed and uh, Kalala have agents who obviously wanted to move the players on um, and how persuasive they were against the players not necessarily wanting to do, to do that, we'll never know. But... Um, you know the, the agents come into play at this level, even even at this level when uh, yeah. when, when money can be made. Um, I don't want to cast aspersions, but that's their job yeah. to make to make yeah. money, isn't it? So, you know. And I think it's fair to say that I mean Gary is too much of a diplomat to give too much away in a podcast, but it's fair to say that he's you know he's he's not content with the way things have gone with you know the players having gone. Maybe more so in Calvin's case than Jamie's. Do you think? Calvin from Cheltenham after after signing Calvin at Cheltenham um, gave him a chance. Um, we all know. What, interestingly, he also kind of alluded to the fact that we all know what a frustrating player Calvin can be. Yes. On his day, he yeah. can be unplayable. On another day, he can he can be absent almost. So um, Gary said there's a lot for him to work on. But had Torquay and Gary Johnson been given the chance to be those people working on what he was missing, they thought within a year they could make him the complete player. Yeah. And, you know, Calvin maybe should have looked at what happened to Jamie Reid. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and you know, there's a player in there, isn't there? And you get the feeling that Gary and Aaron Downs and the training staff have invested a lot of time and a lot of heartache into um, into trying to bring that player out of Calvin. We've seen we've seen some fantastic goals that he scored. His, his touch, his finishing, his running with the ball is, is absolutely stupendous at times, but not consistent enough. And you will kind of no, wonder what kind of move he's going to get. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. He's the kind of player that people will, 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 will take a, a chance on, though, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's the kind of I player mean, it, it, he'll come back and... 
popped up somewhere in the league. It wouldn't surprise me at all. No, it's the kind of player who will come back and haunt us, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so Jamie Reid, player of the year last season, almost certainly would have got player of the year this season as well. He got your vote, I know. Um, I, think, I haven't heard from the club whether they're doing one or not. I, I've missed this because other, other clubs have done it. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard. I mean, there hasn't been a voting mechanism that I've seen. No, I mean other clubs have done it. Um, done a couple of stories on on, on some clubs that have done it in the last last couple of weeks. So yeah. you know it'd be interesting to see if if they are thinking about doing a player of the season. Maybe they're just waiting for the the official end of the season replay off decision, etc., which uh, still drags on as we speak. We did do it one year, didn't we? Wasn't there a year when Torquay had, had such an abject season that they didn't name a player of the year, and and the Herald Express ended up doing it? The year that they were relegated again to the conference yeah. uh, for the second time, uh, I, I believe. Um, did uh, did the Herald do one? I was away. I think we I did. I think the Herald did one instead. And was it Lee Mansell? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. we we did it when, yeah. because the club hadn't. So, well, we, we'll see. Let's see what the club comes up with. Otherwise, perhaps we'll just ask around on the podcast and um, we'll award a virtual trophy. Everything's virtual these days, isn't it? That one of the players who's being talk- <laughs> one of the players who's being talked about a lot uh, this morning on social media uh, as a as a potential recruit. Now this always happens as soon as you lose your striker. But interesting chat about a chap called Elliot Romain. Remember Elliot Romain? We had him on loan from Dagenham and Redbridge. He, I liked Elliot Romain. Yeah, two thousand eighteen. Good goals. Um, was physically strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't discount him at all he's an absolute nuisance wasn't he he was a player who got yeah. in defenders faces he got in the referee's yeah. face he was one of those players who was um, a proper leader of the line not a big bloke but quite a physical presence without looking at his stats I can't remember how many goals he scored but he did score goals and, and, and he always looked like he was going to score yeah. goals as well he got four he, he got four for us in 13 four. games right okay which which doesn't sound a lot but then if you if you say you know yeah. That's almost half. Like, almost half. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be averse to seeing him back. He's a decent player. Liked him a lot. I don't a... get where is he because he, he went back to Dagenham, and Dagenham were having major problems financially at the time, and, and it was almost expected that he may come back to Torquay. Yeah, um, on a full-time basis. Uh, Dagenham went down. They came into the national league. Um, but he he was one of the players that they kept kept around when they were when, when they were shedding players because of financial problems. Yeah, I think I think he's been at Dartford, so he's right, um, okay. you know he's so, too good for Dartford. Yeah, far too good. He needs he needs another spell down in Devon, doesn't he? Although having said that, I've never been a fan of players coming back for a second time, but I wouldn't mind having another look at him. Yeah, but he was on loan, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, true. Um, true. Jamie Reid was on loan twice before he came. Time. Yeah. I think I think I think following a a longer term spell and then coming back at the end of your career doesn't work. Um, I think I think uh, loan spells followed by another loan spell in Reed's case and then uh, and then and then a full time move that obviously worked. Yeah. Oh well, you twist my arm. Go on, we'll give him another chance. <laughs> a couple of anniversaries so this that, week. So that, that's Elliot Murray, uh, Remain and uh, Luke Young for next yeah. season. Who else? <laughs> That wouldn't be bad, would it? That would not be bad at all. 
A couple of anniversaries coming up this week, by the way. It's 33 years ago on Saturday, The Great Escape. I mean, all these anniversaries come up at the end of the season, don't they? But the Bryn game is 33 years ago uh, at the weekend. And it's 16 years ago tomorrow um, that we won promotion up at South End on that famous day. That's uh, not 16 years ago. It's 16 years ago tomorrow. Now, three... Oh, I mean, I was at both of those games too, but uh, if you told me, I, I wouldn't have told you that was 16 years ago. That's scary. I, can, I almost didn't make it because uh, I, I, I took me, me and my dad, my friend John Arusi and photographer, photographer Marcus Davis. We, I, I drove the four of us up. Uh, we picked up John Arusi in Exeter. And usually when I go on the route out of Exeter that I use, I'm going back to Torquay. So I'm quite happily coasting along <laughs> suddenly realising we're on the wrong lane and we, we nearly had a wipeout before we even got on the got on the, the motorway. That would not have been good. Not have been right. good. So that South End game, three members of our A to Z H team that we're going to come to a little bit later on, three members of that team played in the game at South End. Among them the legend that is Kevin Hill. Should we um should we go off and, and listen to your chat with Kevin for a moment? Yeah, why not? Okay, this is Richard chatting to Kevin Hill. Hi Kevin, uh, thank you for taking part in the podcast. Um, in the last uh, couple of, well, four or five weeks or a bit longer, we've been doing the, um, the A to Z during lockdown, uh, myself and Guy, and uh, we've got to H, so I thought I'd give you a call and uh, see what you remember your time at Torquay. You obviously enjoyed it at Torquay, didn't you? Yeah, no, I loved it to be fair, Rich. Obviously I could have asked for anything more. I enjoyed it the whole time I was there. I know, it was a great time. You, ma- you made your debut in 1997. That's a, that's a long time ago now, mate. Yeah, I remember now back through the way. Yeah, I, I just looked I it up. Yeah, 2-1 two, two, win? No. 2-1 uh, defeat? 2-1 defeat away at Macclesfield. But for the year there before, I can't remember didn't go too well. And I think I come from Tyrington, which is obviously I was North Devon, even though I live in East Devon. Yeah. I used to I come from there because no one knew me, thinking unknown because talking didn't have the money. Ah, but it was it was good. Enough. To me, I was shelf stacking like a couple of weeks before that. Next thing, now I'm playing for Torquay. But no, it's great. Who? So, what age were you, Kev, when you when you made your debut? I was actually 21. I just turned 21. So you you, you were playing at Ilfracombe in the Western League, where you or is it below that? Uh, no, Torrington. Torrington. Tor- sorry, Torrington. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Taunton in the Western League. So, and, and uh, Johnny Orr, which is the Upland of Hardgrove manager. Yeah. Time, and record appearance on it. Or something like Kevin Rogers' record appearance on it. But the manager got up to um, every cup semi-final. Uh, and, they, and they lost to Watford. Who, who signed you for Torquay then? Uh, Kevin Hodges. It was Hodges, Kevin, was it? Okay, Kevin, so Kevin, did he get the nod from, from your previous manager then? Say it again. Did he get the nod from your previous manager then to have a look at you? No, I think what it was at the time, I was, I was scoring like 15 goals from left wing back as a small lad. Okay. In the Western League. At the time, that Western League was Tiverton, Taunton, Smith, and the big teams down around here. Yeah. So we were like third at the time, we But I think up to December the 1st or December the 7th, I scored like 17 goals, 15 were with my head. Right, yeah, okay. So, but people started noticing, yes, I went to Sunderland for a little trial, but nothing had come of it. And I think that was down to Johnny Orr and that was something to me. 
I mean, you know, a job is a job, but it was probably nice to stop stacking, stacking shelves, wasn't it? Oh, it's, it's annual teams. You know, give it your best shot. I'd never turn it down because I wanted to be a footballer and have a go at it. So, yeah, I was buzzing for it. So, little did you know, you go on to break the appearance record. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't have thought that, would you? <laughs> Suddenly costing me that, costing the club nothing. Local lad and things like that. Yeah, 10 years down the line. But somebody said to me, they want to, somebody pointed out, really, if you look at the 10 years I was there, to break their record, I would have had to play something like 45 games a year. Yeah. So I, I was injury-free, really. I had all the different managers come in, that fair play, they all picked me. Because each one they got maybe all the terms and the changes. So I was like, injury-free for most of it. Yeah. So I remember being out for two weeks. Uh, I, I remember, obviously, I was working at the club when you were there for a short spell, and I remember, I can't remember who it was, it was either Roy or Leroy who, who used to say that you were the fittest player in the club. Oh, I, I must admit, I could run, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when, when, I, when I first joined, when I first went to their um, uh, trials with Kevin Hodges, I, I always remember they, they did a thing called 12 Minutes up at Easterfield, which is a bit the old training area, used to train then. I got up at Barbican Way. Of course, everyone's coming back, players come back across the whole field. I think I lapped every single person. <laughs> yeah, but it's a big field. It's about three times size of the football field, I expect. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But the time when you go around, I lapped everyone. But I, I had a point to prove, see? Exactly, so, exactly. So they nicknamed me the White Kenyan. <laughs> you, you, uh, you played with a lot of players while, while you were at Torquay, Kevin. Who, who stood out? Oh, there was loads of different areas at the time. And when I first started, I'll go back to when I first started. Obviously, you had your Rodney Jacks, your Gibbers, your Gerrani, sort of area to come in, get into experience, Kenny Goal. Yeah. Chris Clates, Gary Clayton experience, and obviously Jason Roberts coming in on loan. Yeah. It was brilliant. And then me and Leo and Acton were the two youngsters coming through. So, hey, that was a good little blend. Because you had a lot of experience, but then you had the little runners, me and Liam would do that. Running around and been filmed for them, and Tolls was coming through the year yeah. after. So, yeah, no, or oh, Beds as well. Beds is out at the same time, he's just come up for the kids, so yeah, yeah it's a nice little blend. But then, going, as it went on down the years, you know, obviously, Alex Russell, Jason Fowler were class in the middle together. Yeah, uh, um, that team's well, well remembered by Torquay fans, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not just that long, they, they were classic, but that team there was. A lot of it was uh, team round, team bonding, and things that everyone got on with everyone, as he did all the time, but it was just it's a nice atmosphere. But it's, it's the same, when you're winning, everything's a nice atmosphere. Yeah. We're not playing to everyone, turn up training. And, and to be fair, Leroy managed it really well. Even the players that weren't involved in the team were playing all every week. They were still made to feel more good, they were still treated the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was nice. And things like that go a long way, which I, I tend to use a little bit to remember I manage now, but I just I use a little bit for that. It's not about just what I know. I get the best out of people by 
I think it is man management. Absolutely. That, goes, that goes a long way. You get if you get somebody to run for you and then join play for you, you have to have you're halfway there before you even start coaching side. You're doing all right at the moment at Exmouth, aren't you? I mean, well, you were obviously until the the season was scrubbed, but um, yeah, you know, first first year back in the the Western League for the club, it's 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 gone all right, isn't it? Oh, it's gone really well. It's gone really well. So we'll only get bigger and better, but obviously, see what happens when we come out of this. But it might, I think everyone will be in the same boat now with what's going on, especially the low leagues. But like you say, it's down to the man management. It's making them. Two step forward, one step back. So, so where are we going the other way now? Knowing that there ain't going to be a lot of um, money out there for the players and stuff like that. So, all these big leagues and southern leagues and southern leagues, people are going to be starting to stay local now. Do you think? So, you think that that's going to have an effect? Yeah, I think I think it massively has an effect on the football. So, you, you want somebody travelling up to London? You know what I mean for X, Y, Z now because it's not it's worthwhile. It's not like the day when people wanted to play football for a level. It tends yeah. to be people chase a bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nowadays, so it's, it is a bit harder that, but it's what it is now. And are you still playing? Because you were still playing last season. Yeah, I'm, I'm not retired yet. <laughs> but, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not playing anymore. I'll only ever, I'll only ever bring myself on if we do that. But yeah, I can still run. When we do the running, I still run all the road running the beach. Yeah, I do all that still. I saw you playing in central defence for Willand a couple of years ago against Buckland. You had a good game that day. Yeah, I, I helped out for them there, GMA, mate. So I'll help them out every now and then in there. So, yeah, I tend to play centre-half sweep and as, as you finish down there. So, so you've, you, then, you've basically when, played in all positions, haven't you? I have, yeah, actually. <laughs> I don't mind, I can't use my right foot. People say you're left. I can't. I'm quite comfortable with my right as well. Anyway, you know what I mean? So I don't mind where I play, really. Oh, well, uh, you got another couple of seasons in yet, then? All right, I'm not retiring yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be going to 15 plus, I reckon. I said, I'm going to you retire. It feels like it's over, so I'm not going to renounce time, but I'm going to keep going. Brilliant. Thank you very so, much for talking to us, Kevin. It's been a, yeah, been a, no worries, anytime, right? it's been a pleasure catching up, and uh, good luck at, at, at Exmouth when the season gets, well, when the new season starts. No worries, all right? I thank, appreciate it, bro. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers for that. Cheers, bud. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Interesting chat with Hilly there, Richard. Well done on, on getting him. The reception was a bit hit and miss now and then. Hope you uh, were able to bear with that. But always a nice guy to chat to. 44 years old now, Hilly. Reckons he'll play into his 50s. And I reckon he will do too. You know what? It's funny. Um, I've spoken to all sorts of people in the past, interview-wise. Um, some some quite famous names in, in another job. And uh, I, I, I felt more more nervous about talking to Kevin Hill than I did any of those. I can understand that. He's such a walkie legend. Yeah. That, um, and, and, of course, I knew him when I worked at the club, so it wasn't. it's not as if we're strangers, you know. And, uh, I, you know, there was a couple of questions where I where I, I, uh, I sort of got things wrong and, and, you know, and generously Kevin just kind of ignored those. And I don't know what it is. It's just because, you know, he's a, he's a Talking United record appearance holder. He is, yeah, he is. He's uh, 474 games for Torquay, 57 goals in that. I'd love to know how many of those were headers arriving late at the far post. Well, isn't it, isn't it lovely in that piece where he talks about his time at Torrington? Uh, he scored 17 goals before Christmas and 15 of those have been with his head and he was playing at left wing back. <laughs> yeah, 
Great, a terrific player. Player of the Year at Playmore in 2000 and again in 2006. He was in that team, obviously, that won at South End in 2004. If I remember rightly, right towards the end there, where all the players were um, throwing bits of kit into the crowd for souvenirs. If I remember rightly, Hilly almost threw all of his kit into the crowd for souvenirs. He, <laughs> he was down to his, his last remaining garment when he finally made his way into the changing room. There was a terrible moment when I thought that was going into the crowd as well. But, uh, Do you know what? played so many games. I mean, he said there that he, he reckons he had two weeks out injured in 10 years. Yeah. He was so ridiculously fit um, and naturally fit as well. I remember Leroy or, or, or Roy talking to me about him and saying that, you know, training-wise, as in runs, etc., he, he's just head and shoulders above everyone else. He's just naturally a fit guy. And obviously, you know, he's still playing at 44 He's a manager of Exmouth, um, who he took to the Western League from the Peninsula League last season, and they were they were third or fourth, I think, when 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 the, the season finished. So they had a chance of get, getting into the Southern League, uh, you know, two consecutive promotions. He's done a wonderful job. He's still playing for them when he feels feels that that's right to do so. And like he said, he'll still be playing when he's fifty. And honestly, I, I think he will. He he was. Um, we, we had a real struggle getting a decent phone line. I think his. His reception at home is really poor. So we tried on two or three occasions during the day on Monday. And in the end, he went shopping in the evening and sat in the car outside Tesco's <laughs> to do the interview. <laughs> Brilliant. Stuff you remember about Hilly then. I mean, he scored his last goal for Torquay in that terrible game at Playmore where Exeter turned us over. Um, Torquay had one up at Exeter in the first leg of the playoff semi. And Exeter came and won 4 1 at Playmore. Some goal that was, by the way. It was, it was indeed. I just watched it. Funnily enough, it's um, that surfaced on YouTube as well. That was his last goal for Torquay. He equalled Dennis Lewis's appearance record that night, and then we went to the FA Trophy final, where some, somebody wrote a song about the whole thing. But we'll come to that a bit later as well. Um, and he broke the appearance record in the trophy final, but he came on as a very late substitute, didn't he? he came on for Tim Sills, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I think I think there were there were panic stations around the fans that even though we were losing one nil, and it looked like the uh, the trophy was gone. Um, more at the heart of it for, for a lot of the fans was you got to bring Kevin Hill on yeah. to beat Dennis Lewis' record because it would have been because I, I believe he'd already decided that he was going to move away. Uh, he went to Dorchester. Uh, I think he already decided that that was that was his plan of action. Um, I don't think Bucks had given him. Um, the assurances he needed to, to stay no. at Torquay for another season. So this was going to be his last game. And uh, he, had to, he had to take part to, to break that record. Well, thankfully, he did. I do. I remember that horrible sinking feeling, thinking he's not going to get on, that um, for, you know, Bucks was obviously <laughs> chasing the game and he was not going to bring him on. Exactly. But he did. I mean, if, if they'd been 3-1 up, you know, you'd be completely understand him coming on in the, 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 the 80th minute, whatever. But when you're one nil down and you still got a chance of taking it into extra time, etc., um, you know it must have been a big decision for Bucks to make, really. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I and mean, of it's, course, it's an extra thing that you've got in the back of your head while you're trying to work out how to win this game. It, it would have been quite quite yeah. an odd, odd situation. And if you happen to be on YouTube, passing away the time in lockdown, do cheat, do just uh, 
search Kevin Hill cheeky goal and the yeah, goal I've he got. To that, but, um, I, uh, whenever I've had a few too many wines, I'm sitting in front of YouTube. That that often comes up. It's... The uh, the the footage the the, the um, it's not very good footage. It's, it's dreadful, really isn't it? Fixated. Yeah. But um, the moment is wonderful. Uh, uh, I friend, it was John Arusi that I was talking to earlier on. Who last time I I shared that on my Facebook, he said uh, he didn't know what the goal he was doing because he. All John could hear was all the all the Stockport fans shouting, "He's behind!" Yeah. If you haven't seen it, of course, what happens is that the Stockport keeper is bringing the ball out. Uh, he drops the ball down at his feet. He doesn't realise that Kevin Hill is um, is behind him. And of course, by the time he does realise, Hilly has taken the ball off him. He's done a little drag back as well, which is most impressive. And then just yep. planted the ball into the net down at the away end. And it, it's a beauty. When we say he's behind the goalkeeper, he's not just standing there, he's literally hiding all his haunches behind the goalkeeper, so that even if the goalkeeper turned round, he'd look above Hilly. Yeah, um, yeah. And as the, as the players celebrate running back to the centre circle, there's a lovely, if, if you look closely at um, Adebayo Ekenfemwa, um, he's in hysterics. <laughs> I haven't noticed that, I need to look at that. Yeah, yeah, you can see him laughing his head off. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, that's it. That's the legend that is Kevin Hill. I mean, he'll crop up in a few minutes in the uh, the A to Z team. But we thought it was be- it was worth uh, plucking him out of there. And uh, thanks to Hilly for joining us for a chat. Yeah. As cheers, well. Cheers, Kev. Other things beginning with H. Then, as we carry on through the A to Z, the hustle. Van McCoy. That used to get played a lot, didn't it? That's exactly how it goes, Richard. Yes, yeah, it, was, it was almost as if Van McCoy himself was in the room with me there for a moment. Uh, he's not. Social distancing, obviously. Indeed. He can't be. But if, anytime you think about football at Playmore in the mid-70s, obviously there's a band of playing, but the hustle is, is kind of playing in the back of my head all the time. I have got... I've just looked over at one of my guitars on a stand over there and I've got a massive urge now to do that track. Oh, and you could do that. You could do that. With a, with, with, with a, a big twangy guitar line. Sort it out in time for uh, a future podcast. Uh, I put, also put down H's for Will Hancock's because I've got a little bit of a scar on my nose which oh, I yeah. owe to Will Hancock's. It's a cautionary Are tale. You still uh, yeah, it's a, a little bit, yeah, just, uh, just on the Are bridge of the nose there. It's... Uh, it was uh, behind the goal at Forest Green Rovers uh, a couple of uh, boxing days ago, or was it New Year's Day? I can't remember, one or the other. But you have to remain totally vigilant when you're behind the goal during the warm-up. Uh, I took my eye off the ball for a second, and Will Hancock's, I can vouch for the fact he's got a heck of a shot on him. It came flying into the terraces. It skimmed off the crash barrier in front of me, and claret was spilled from, uh, from the top of the nose. So, uh, you, see, you see, the last time I saw Kevin Hill was when Willand played Buckland about two seasons ago, and Kevin came in for Russell G and played at centre back. He was a, uh, he was a, uh, I, I can't remember what he was playing at the time, Kevin, but Buddy Salted, I think, might be manager, and he was just doing Russell G a favour in the Western League, and I was standing behind the goal that Buckland were attacking, and they've got like a little. Um, area where, where there's a kind of a, a lid on it so you know you've only got sort of a window that you're looking through um, onto the pitch and that day the ball flew at me with some ferocity from a shot and you have that moment when you go duck no not gonna duck 
take it full in the face. So I just I just went for it and I headed it right back onto the pitch. Oh, nicely and it done! Hurt like hell. <laughs> but, but the applause, even from players, was was worth it. Good. You still had a headache for a little while after that. You know, yeah, it wasn't a headache. It was a sore sort of forehead, yeah. the skin feeling. Do you know what I mean? How these players like Aaron Downs and Guy Branston, who made a career out of heading balls coming down out of the stratosphere, I, I have no idea. But uh, there you go. That's how, a, how they got calloused foreheads. Yeah, that's a debate for another day, isn't it? As well, the um, the, the whole ethics of uh, heading the ball in football. I have a bit of a barking dog in the background. I'm just going to pause this for a moment while I go and see what he's barking about. The professionalism of this podcast knows no bounds. Hold on a moment. There we go, dog dog barking. It's always good to have a good guard dog on patrol on these occasions. It is. I've, I've, just, I've just made myself chuckle now because I I, I believe the callous, calloused foreheads were a punk band from Dundee in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, there you go. Perhaps they'd headed a lot of football. They weren't, they should have been. Yeah. Uh, another H who isn't actually in our A to Z team, uh, the, the team today, although probably should be, gentleman by the name of Sean Hazelgrave, Sean, or Hazelgrave Hazelgrave, not quite sure which it was, but um, yeah, worth remembering. He, he manager to Cyril as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he came in with Cyril. Um, Lee Sharp in his autobiography described him as the ultimate midfield terrier, and we got plenty of that when uh, when he was at Torquay. <laughs> he was a terrific yeah, player. He played under Brian Clough at Forest as well. So, you know, he okay. had, had quite a pedigree. He'd been at Stoke City before then. Uh, but Sean died last November. Um, he was very fondly remembered in the game as well. So, um, yeah, mention of so Sean Hazelgrave in the H's. Yeah. Which brings us then to the team of H's. Thank you very much to Julian, as ever, for putting this one together for us. There's some interesting players in here. As I say, there are... Three players in the squad who played in the 1991 playoff final at Wembley and three players who played at Southend in 2004. Strange connections. Goalkeeper Gareth Howells, of course, goalkeeper Gareth Howells. Um, Played 83 games for Torquay between 1990 and 1992, but he's mainly remembered uh, for Wembley. The decisive penalty was netted by Gareth Howells in the playoff final. I have, I have that picture framed of him taking that penalty. He takes it beautifully as well, doesn't he? It's a, it's text yeah. for a goalkeeper. That's not a bad penalty, is it? No. And you no, forget. He was a there, wasn't he? Of course, brother of David Howells, a Tottenham legend. Yeah. Um, and last time I last time I saw Gareth Howells was when I was working up in in uh, Huntingdon. And the Huntingdon team played a Tottenham veterans team and Gareth Howells was in goal. Was now, he? I'm not sure how many goal games he actually played for the Tottenham, but he was their, their keeper for the Tottenham legends team. Good. So I don't think he actually played for Spurs. He was there, but I don't think he played in no. the first team before he came to uh, came to Torquay. But you forget, of course, in that penalty shootout that... Um, that he got the decisive penalty, but Mark Loram had, had actually missed... I'm not sure if he missed or whether it was saved. I can't remember. But, it didn't uh, go in that way. Yeah, it did not go in. So uh, that's that's one there. Okay, moving into the back four. Paul Holmes was also part of that 1991 Wembley team. Really good fullback. He was the player of the year at Playmore in 92. Uh, he was at Playmore from 88 to 92. Came from Doncaster. Played 138 games for Torquay. Then went on to a stellar career. Really, he played for Birmingham. He played for Everton for a while. And he played a lot of played games for, for West Brom. Pardon? 
He did. He did. Played a lot of games at the top level, a lot of games for West Brom. Came back to Torquay as well, which I'd forgotten. Played another 87 and games for Torquay. Of, he's one of those players. It, it did work. Yeah. Um, he, he came back for a couple of years. His, his father-in-law used to sit next to me and my dad in the stand. Yeah. And uh, so we always used to hear about uh, what he was up to uh, um, off the pitch as well as on it. He was a, a nice bloke, Paul. He had an incredibly accurate, low-driven pass. Yeah. Um, they used to call it the ping, I think, if I remember <laughs> rightly. The, sel- uh, the yeah, Sultan no, of Ping. He, 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 could, he could find you, know, he'd be at the right back or whatever, and he, he could just hit the ball so cleanly and accurately that it would it would just shoot across the pitch, maybe you know, 40, 50 yards, yeah. right to the player it was intended to. Brilliant stuff. And he also used to take the corners from both sides as well. I remember on a number of That's occasions right. when you'd have one of those passages of play where a, ball, a corner would come in, then get headed out for another one of him actually crisscrossing the pitch to take corners from both sides. But, yeah, of good. Of course, I think, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that we have another double coming up because he would have played on the right and someone else would have played on the left. OK, I'm not sure I've got that. Well, OK, we, all right, we'll continue and we'll... Uh, we'll, well, we'll, you we'll, we'll, I'm, we'll I'm, well, I've got Robbie Herrera as the next, as a yeah. fullback. Yeah, there yeah. you go, it was Robbie. They, yeah, yeah. Yeah, played a lot of games for Fulham. He, he, he talky born, but he'd been at QPR first. Then he came to us on loan. Uh, played a lot of games for Fulham. Played more than a hundred games for uh, for Torquay, as you say. But uh, and also one of the players to uh, to to play for Torquay and manage Torquay. He was assistant manager uh, in two thousand and fifteen, and he was caretaker manager after um, after yeah. Nico's departure in two thousand and seventeen as well. To be, you I have to be a good we, player. I think we played Fulham when he was playing for them um, in a cup game when Keegan was manager. We did, and didn't we? Did Rodney Jack scored in that game? Didn't we beat them in that one? I can't remember what the score was. It's just I've got, into a my feeling, head. got a feeling we did, but uh, yeah, and still involved in the game at um, as at a coaching level, I believe. Robbie isn't he? Is he he's at Dorchester now? I think he's at Plymouth. He's at Plymouth, is he? Okay. Really? Yeah, that would that would yeah. be about the right kind of time, wouldn't it? And then spotting Robbie at the same time. Yeah. Okay, alongside those two then is Ruben Hazel. Ruben yeah, Hazel. I like Ruben Hazel, good defender. Um, I, <laughs> I've got a little story about Ruben, but let's say who he was first. Well, he, I mean, he played 84 games for us between 2002-2004. He was in the team that won promotion at South End in 2004. He played a lot of games, played for Chesterfield, Oldham, played a lot of games for Oldham, played at Shrewsbury. Uh, season, or his, his career cut short, very serious knee injury that he got, and there was a bit of a controversy around that involving another ex-Torquay player, wasn't there? It was He was involved in a challenge with Rene Howe, um, was and, and Reuben Hazel was very critical 
um, afterwards. He was playing for Shrewsbury at the time. That made all the papers. I don't remember the, re- the actual ins and outs and rights and wrongs of that, but I know there was a lot of debate about it at the time. And, he, was, uh, he was a de- decent defender uh, for Torquay during those couple of years. Um, came from Tranmere, if I remember rightly, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, he had a great haircut when he turned up, <laughs> I remember that. But, but, but pretty soon he, he, he wore it short, shorter after that. Uh, he was, he, I mean, that, that whole promotion team had such, such a good camaraderie. Kevin says about it in that, you know, the chat that we had. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just, just a lovely team to watch, but also a lovely team to be around. The players were really, really nice people and, and got on really well. Um, you know, it, it was, it was just, just a nice, nice era. And he was part of that era. I remember the South End game. He, actual fact, he could have given away a penalty. I think he handballs it almost goalkeeper like at one yeah. point in that game and got away with it. And the next day, or the week after, I think, I was working for the Sun. Where was I doing the report for? I must have done the report for the Sunday Indie. I, th- I can't remember, do you know? It must have been the Sunday Indie that I did the report for. It was. And. Um, we, we used to give stars in the Sunday Indy in those days, and I gave him the lowest of, the, of that that game for the Torquay team. And when I saw him next, he wasn't happy. No, I'll bet. No, that's the trouble well, with star ratings. That's one reason why we I never do them. Yeah. That's why I don't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm the one that tells people to do things and not to do things. I don't have to do it. There you go. And they don't have to do it either. <laughs> and completing the defence in our H team is slightly more recently is Lee Hodges. Uh, Lee, yeah, good Lee Hodges started at Spurs. He did time at Argyle and Barnet and Reading. He was at Torquay from 2008-2010, played 41 games. And he's managed Truro for a couple of spells since as well, hasn't he? Nice so guy, Lee Hodges. With, uh, with, with Chris, Chris Hargreaves, of course. Yeah, yeah, nice guy. Uh, good player as well. Obviously, you know, he had a long career. Uh, played a lot of games. Good player. Good player. Um, nice, nice fellow. Yeah, Dave knows him quite well, doesn't he? Liked well, him. <laughs> from talking United doesn't Dave know to be fair, so that was a, a silly statement. Okay, so you mentioned haircuts. Now there's a haircut coming up next as we move into a five man midfield here in Julian's oh, team. Interesting. Do you remember Leon Hapgood? Yes, well so does Kevin, obviously. He <laughs> he he spoke about um Leon and him being the, the younger players in that in that sort of team <coughs> that, that that he uh yeah, when he joined Torquay. Yeah, he uh, he's um, he, he had one of those curtains haircuts from the nineties as well, didn't he? You remember? They were very nineties. They curtains. were very nineties. They wore that now. You'd, be, you'd, you'd look very. When I couldn't, I couldn't wear one now. To be fair, it'd be a very wide pair of curtains. <laughs> he scored on his debut as well. He played. He was with us ninety-seven to ninety-nine. Played seventy games. Scored seven goals. Scored on his debut in a three-nil win over Brighton. Um, and actually, quite recently, I noticed on social media that Paul Buckle was um, was heaping praise onto Leon Hapgood, saying what a good player he was, um, you know, and, and how he, much he'd enjoyed working with him. I think possibly an underrated player, Hapgood. Not that many games for Torquay, but uh, good player. Scoring on your debut, I mean, there's another one coming up a little bit later on, but um, scoring on your debut's got to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, from Torbay as well. Yeah, yeah, local lad. Okay, alongside him, of course, is uh, we well we put Hilly over on the left of midfield. Uh, in the centre of midfield, Chris Hargreaves, of course. Uh, two thousand and seven to two thousand and ten as a player, ten goals in one hundred and five games. Another uh, haircut. 
Yeah, another another haircut. Uh, scored the first goal, of course, in the win at Wembley in 2009. Everybody remembers Sills's goal. Uh, that's another one I'm going to go and have a look at on YouTube afterwards. But uh, Chris scored a none-too-shabby goal before that as well, hadn't he? Yeah, it was a great goal. Um, and he was a leader, wasn't he? I mean, I... I, I was I was living in London for most of the period that he was playing, but then of course, I, I, when I came back, he was manager, yeah. so I got to know him. That uh, he was a real leader, a really, really, really good player. Um, and obviously played for a lot of clubs before, a lot of clubs since. Um, he's a pundit now on uh, BT Sport. Written a couple of books. He also, there, there's and a, he also worked for Bristol Rovers. He did. Uh, there's a couple of books out, Captain's Log, which he used to write, the Captain's Blog for the Herald Express and uh, the Forerunner website of Devon Live as well. There's a book of that out. And Where's Your Caravan? His is extremely entertaining autobiography. I urge you to buy a copy of that if you haven't already got one because uh, because he mentions me in it. So there you go. The only book <laughs> the only book in which anybody mentions me at all. And that's... Uh, oh, well, when I know. write my book, I'll, I'll dedicate a chapter. To <laughs> of course, he managed Torquay. Uh, for a while, not a particularly happy period. Don't really think he got much of a chance there. The budget was very, very tight. Um, his departure was hasty, I think, on the part of the, um, you know, the, the the management of the club. I'd like to have seen him get longer at the job. Very hasty, in my opinion. But um, it was changing times at the club, wasn't it? And it was. He didn't have the, he didn't have the, the finances to really do what he would have liked to have done. I, I thought he was a, a decent a decent uh, manager. Um, we, we can't prove what he would have done, but I think he would have gone on to do something yeah, really, really good. I think so too. Uh, also in this five-man midfield, Asa Hall, our current skipper, Captain Fantastic. Yep. Uh, good player, Asa. We like Asa a lot. He's been on the podcast a few times. I'm very glad that he's still there for next season. I think he's a, he's a proper leader, isn't he? Well, I think it's the leadership that, that Gary values so much. Um, if if uh, Asa didn't have that element to his game, and given his age, I think he might have been one of those that you thought, well, w- w- will he will he stay on? But uh, Gary obviously values his leadership so much that he, he is a massive part of the squad. And let's not forget, he was lead, the last last National League player of the he was yes of course he was uh, weighs in with the goal now again then as well still another one if you're trawling YouTube in search of entertainment in these <coughs> lockdown days seek out uh, Asus goal against Truro on Boxing Day 2018 uh, it's a cracker that, that was my uh, well, that was uh, we, we nominated our goals of the season last season and that was uh, that was mine it was a brilliant right. brilliant finish OK, and com- completing our midfield is, is the midfield general himself, somewhere in between Zinedine Zidane and Franz Beckenbauer, uh, Matt Hockley. Hockers, oh, how could we forget? Hockers, I, I was never going to forget. Hockers, uh, the paint, um, a painting lad through and through. Um, 239 games for Torquay United. Only, yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Only, and I, I, think, I think he had more in him I, he, when he was released and he went off to... <clears throat> playing non-league football, I think he, he could have continued. Um, good player. Very good player. He was eight years at Playmore, mind you. He was there quite a long time. He was in the South End team. He was in the team that won promotion that day. Uh, only scored... A, the, he was just a... He, he was a bulldog, wasn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> According to... He won, ball, um, he won the ball. He knew he wasn't good enough to then play with the ball. So he, his ideology was win the ball... And give it 
to Alex Russell or Jason Fowler. Perfect. And that's exactly what you needed in that team, wasn't it? They yeah. A, a... And both Alex Russell and Jason Fowler told me that um, although they love playing side by side, Alex and Jason, in actual fact, the better lineup was the one with one or the other playing with Matt Hockley. Yeah. Because he would do the hard donkey work, win the ball, close players down, worry players, and leave the space for, for Russell or, or Fowler to do their magic. Brilliant. Regular podcast listeners will know that I'm, I'm a massive fan of Hockers. And um, I actually I got... One fan, I, yeah, I, I actually got to play in his um, in his old shirt for playing for the Cameroons in the Seven Aside League once, which was I could retire on that. Two particular memories of Hockley, though. One, a great goal that he scored against Halifax in front of the family stand. Um, we completed a three-one win over Halifax with a goal that he put into the top corner from the edge of the box. I kid you not. I was off my seat, and um, Tomo had to uh, had to calm me down after that. <laughs> but also the main memory of him um, we were playing Argyle one day it was a wet muddy day it might even have been a boxing day we were playing Argyle at Plainmore my memory might have embellished this one a little bit but the centre circle would have been a sea of mud at the time centre circle which we used to call Hockley's office and um, he was marking a player by the name of Jamie Mackey of course who was oh, yeah. um, went, went on, on to play for Exeter and then Preston and QPR as well, didn't he? He did indeed. He was playing for Argyle that day, and Hocker's job was um, was obviously to take care of Jamie Mackey. And I remember a moment where there was a, a a clash between the two players, obviously fully within the rules of the game, which ended up with Mr. Mackey on his backside in a muddy puddle in the uh, centre circle, with a kind of look on his face to the bench saying what just happened you know he's, he's sort of shrugging his shoulders and looking to the bench at the same time hockers looked at the talkie bench and i kid you not he winked and put his thumbs up job done <laughs> and that's see that's, uh, that, that takes off of the list for, uh, for today's proceedings absolutely that's um that's an abiding memory whether it actually happened or whether it only happened in my head i don't know but i'm clinging on to it anyway you talked about Hockley's office being that kind of area around the centre circle. Yeah. And Hockley's office was, was never better than when it was a bit muddy so players couldn't play, couldn't control the ball properly because that's when he, he, he really came into his fore and had the opportunity. I remember an away game, we were going to Lincoln and we were pulling up outside Lincoln. I was on the coach, I was sitting in front of him. Often Martin Grimm would be in front of me, I'd have a seat and then Hockley would be in front, behind me. I don't know why that would be the case but that's, that's often what happened. <clears throat> and... Um, we, we could see the pitch as we came round the corner through through a, a crack in the railings or whatever, and uh, it looked terrible. It was very muddy and it looked looked, looked nasty. And I just remember hearing Matt Hockley say behind me, "How am I going to play football on that?" <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that, Matt. Everything will be all right. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, and then up front, I'm ploughing a lone furrow. Up front is Rennie Howe. We've mentioned him before in connection with Ruben Hazel. But Rennie Howe, one of the most stylish strikers that we've had at Torquay in recent years, I think. He was there 2011 to 2013. 28 goals in 81 games, including a debut goal. Um, you can't really beat that. He was a good player. Good player with his back to goal, wasn't he, Rennie Howe? Now, you're going to ask me about another player that I was away for. And actually, I don't think I ever saw him play. Really? Oh, he's, he's, a, a terrible he's, gap in my United uh, 
knowledge. Um, but uh, my dad was a massive fan of Rene Howe and uh, a friend of mine, Rachel Malik, who, who does bits and pieces on, on, online for <coughs> talky websites and stuff. Um, she, she is a huge, still is a huge fan of Rene Howe. Very, very physical player. I remember that game where um, we absolutely overwhelmed Argyle, the Unino Kane game. Uh, everybody describes it as, but Rene Howe, I think Rene Howe got a goal in that as well, but had a major part to play in that one. Um, because he, those players that came to Torquay, having not really made a, much of his of his career, but came to Torquay and was outstanding. Yeah, he was. I think he was released by Peterborough before he came to us. And of that course, makes sense, yeah. he then went on to. Um, you're all right over there. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just. just Coffee to sweat it out. Uh, went on to Burton Albion, are still playing as far as I can see by the look of the internet. Playing, playing playing for, non for someone, Walton Casuals. Walton Casuals. He played against um, Barnstable or Biddeford, or possibly both this season. Brilliant stuff. So glad that he's still playing. And the management team be finishing off the. Actually, we've got a bench. No, we've got a bench. We've got Paul Hall, of course, on the yes. bench. It was part of the 1991 Wembley team. This has got to be a good team for Hawley not to get into it. Mickey, yeah, I was going to say. Mickey Holmes is on the bench. Ian Hathaway yeah. is on the bench. Ian Hathaway, yeah. Two goals against West Ham, sticking my mind. That's it. And Paul yeah. Hirons, another scorer against West Ham. Yeah. Paul Hirons is on the bench. He was a, he's a Bristol lad. He scored the goal that knocked West Ham out of the FA Cup in the third round. And I always remember, we went and interviewed him afterwards to chat to him because he'd been the star of the show. So he came out of the dressing room. We were chatting to him after the game. And somebody said to him, what's your ambition in football? And we were all waiting for him to say leading Torquay out at Wembley or something. But his ambition in football was to play for Bristol City. So really? it was, it was oh, all right, fair enough. We were kind of hoping it was going to be something Torquay United related, but it wasn't. He wanted to play for Bristol City. Not sure if he ever did. I'm not sure where he went after Torquay. He didn't stay at Torquay all that long, but he'll always be the player who knocked uh, West Ham out of the FA Cup. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Any more? No, I was moving on to the management team. Okay, well, I'd give, a, I'd, I'd give a nod to Brian Healy. Brian Healy, yes, yeah. Reese um, Healy as Derek, well. Derek Harrison. Derek Harrison, yeah. There's a lot of H's, isn't there? Yeah, the, the H is, is pretty well covered, I think. Um, well, you're, you're going to come up with who I was just about to say. I was thinking of as a player, but yeah, go on, go for it. Kevin Hodges? Yes, that's the one. Kevin Hodges as manager. Played 68 games for Torquay, but he was manager between 96 and 98 and took Torquay to the playoff final in 98. So yeah, good good player, good um, good guy as well. A very acute football brain, Kevin Hodges. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've spoken to him over the years occasionally. I got a phone call from him after uh, Leroy had left. Not Leroy. Who who left? Paul Buckle had left for. Oh, I'm getting confused now. Uh, I'd said basically that um, yeah. whichever manager it was. Um, it wasn't like Kevin Hodges leaving for Plymouth. That was always going to be a possibility. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Hodges phoned me up and, and wasn't happy about the fact that, you know, he'd only got the Plymouth Argyle job because of his Plymouth links. Oh, right. Which okay. Yeah. I conceded, yeah. I conceded well, you know, was, was a good point. Indeed. 
And alongside him on the bench, we'll give him an assistant manager, Mike Hickman will be his assistant manager. Yep. Mike Hickman, talky player from 75 to 77, also did a fair bit of coaching as well. Thank you once again to Julian for uh, putting us together a team of H's. The I's are going to be a little bit tricky next week. So I've we'll... Um, yeah, there, there's one young lad who played for us. Yeah. Two in my head. In, in the book here... Yeah. I really need some water. In the book here, the uh, Lee Edwards book, obviously which ends at the year 2000, there is only one I. Yeah. And there's only one, one I can think of after that as well. But we'll uh, we'll improvise something next week. We'll uh, we'll certainly think of something. I, I'm slightly disappointed with Julian that he didn't include Wally Hunt. <laughs> in, in he sounds like a polar explorer or something. Uh, I, he was from Dolee. I don't even know where that is. And he played in nine, played in 27 games in 1935 and died in 1963. How could we overlook Wally Hunt? There you go. So that brings us to the end of the H's. That brings us to the end, I think, well, pretty much, apart from a little musical interlude, which is coming up in a moment, to this week's podcast. We should come over all Alan Freeman here a little bit, Richard. Would you want to tell us a little bit about um, the background to the song that you're about to hear? Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird one. <clears throat> I was living in London, working up there. Porky uh, had just qualified to, for the final of the FA Trophy in 2008. Um, I was part of a musical well, a household, uh, living with friends, and uh, Sean, my, the guy who owned the house, had a, a studio in the loft. Uh, uh, and uh, we, we planned a day where we were going to go up and record. Um, I didn't have any songs written ready. Um, he was a drummer and a producer, basically, and I was a guitarist and a singer-songwriter. And that, that morning when we woke up, Sean didn't wake up for quite a while, so I sat in my room and I wrote a song called Goals Flying High on acoustic guitar. Um, so when, when Sean eventually appeared that morning, uh, I played it to him and he told me to get rid of all the, the horrible middle section, which we probably did, and we went upstairs and recorded it. We wrote it, recorded it, and then we had it on MySpace all before the end of the day. When MySpace, my, MySpace was a thing. But one, one thing we did do, were, though, was we didn't say who it was by. So we kept ourselves completely anonymous. Okay. I sent a CD to the, the club anonymously. And then um, they, uh, they started playing it. Uh, my dad would phone me from the, from the ground because I was still in London and hold the phone up so I could hear it. <laughs> and ITV got involved and they came up and eventually did a video um, I was also working for a non-league today newspaper at the time, and we watched that in the, the office and uh, with a few beers, and that was funny. Yeah, they, they, I lived just around the corner from Wembley, so the three of us were marched up to Wembley by ITV to do a video. Uh, I've got it somewhere. I must, I must dig it out. It's very funny. Uh, it, it, the actual video features that Kevin Hill goal, funnily enough. Does it? I look forward. Yeah. I've never seen the video, but I've heard the song. So we don't need to say, come on, you yellows, to finish the podcast this week, because you're going to do it for That's us. True. That's true. So it's um, a... I'm, I'm always said that I, I, I should be writing to Jimmy Percy just to just to give him some credit for, 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 the, for the way the song sounds. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a non-mover on the charts this week, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Kevin Hill fan club with the goals flying high. Not off. Talking! 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 Come on, you yellow. 
playing high below the Wembley archway sky today. Come on, you yellows. Full of pride, buckle up for the ride of your lives today. Come on, you yellows. I won't believe what can I say, what a different thing it can make. Come on, you yellows. From TV1, we're in for some, and we're here to stay. Philip Susie, Colin Lee, Paul Buckle of Wembley. Go flying high, it's not a dream. Go flying high, it's time to believe. Talk it! Talk it! Talk it! Come on, you yellows. Flying high below this Wembley archway sky today. Come on, you yellows. Full of pride, fuck a love for the ride of your lives today. Kentucky boys, we are here. Kings of Flame, more never fear. FHA took me 2008. To make the tenth remember the days. Talking! 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 Hollywood D, Colin Lee, Paul Buckle, Wembley. Just flying high, it's not a dream. Just flying high, it's time to believe. Talking! You have been listening to the Devon Live Herald Express Talkie United Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. You can find us in the Talkie United channel on the Devon Live website, and you can subscribe to us at iTunes. Please leave a review wherever you see us. We welcome all feedback, uh, whether positive or negative. We always like to know what you think of the Yellow Army podcast. Please join us next time.